All right, welcome, teaching others also. If you will, get a Bible and turn to Psalm 1. Today is the 1st of April. And I'm sure there's many people having a good laugh or some people making enemies and losing friends for life over some April Fool's joke. But today, this is no joke. It's first of a month. In fact, if you think about life in, in terms of years and stuff, this is the beginning of the second quarter. January, February, March is the first quarter. April, May, June is second, etc. So I, I often think of life in those terms. And because I think that way, a lot of times I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get my scriptures like today, Psalm 1. I'm going to read Psalm 1 and Psalm uh, 31 and Psalm 61. Do the math, okay? <laughs> so today being the first, we'll get Psalm 1. And, and honestly and truly, I don't know how everybody else does it. Uh, I've tried to learn from people who were very effective and good at what they do through the years. And I found that the Bible, of course, the Word of God is is this absolute source. And I found that life just repeats and repeats and repeats itself in the sense of when you are doing the things that you ought to be doing, they are repetitive. And they're repetitive not as in getting yourself, say, in a, you know, just a routine, but they are repetitive in the sense that it takes repetition and it takes uh, the fact that you cannot afford to get bored with the basics which I mentioned a while back. So I want to read Psalm 1. It's the first of the of the of the month. It's April 1st, and it's also beginning of the second quarter of the year. And it, for me frequently, and I've learned this from the old timers that I, I review what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and try to keep it sharp. Psalm 1 is just this it's a great psalm. It is a great psalm. Uh, for practical living. And here it goes. Blessed is the man. Again, it is not gender specific. I, I, I worry about believers who are brainwashed, influenced, whatever it is, pushed off the, the mark of God by the modern obsession with all this stuff about gender and stuff. I expect the world to be. I, I truly expect the world to be that way. But I hope you as a believer are not, don't have your head all messed up like that. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Five things in this psalm for today. I'm going to go ahead and mention them. The first one is parting. Parting. Like when we talk about a parting of the ways. That's found in verse 1. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
you free yourself up to follow and to seek and to reap when there is a parting in your life from the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not merely an abstaining or some legalism. It's more than that. See, you cannot cleave to one without leaving all others. And there may be some levels of communication, interaction, but everybody who has ever come under the power of something and was excelled at it did so by there be a parting with all the stuff that didn't really matter. And everyone who's gotten knocked off course, you might say, and, and, and knocked off focus has done so by other things getting in the way. There's the parting. There is prayer. He meditates, verse 2, day and night. There is a peace of mind. His delight is in the law of the Lord. We'll talk about it. There is prioritized living. And there is the produce, profit, and praise, the prospering, verse 3, that accompanies it. Let me say this to you. I, 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 maybe this will help somebody if they're struggling with this idea of, you know, uh, blessed is the man that walketh not and all the pronouns and stuff. When you have the right frame of mind, when we are in a healthy frame of mind, healthy in the eyes of God, healthy in the way He made us, when you are and when we are, it's, it means that we have accepted and embraced the way God made things. He made us to be happy and complete if we will accept the way He made it. Let me give you an example. I, and I, I think about this just, I think in terms of pictures and word pictures. An uh, illustration. A picture's worth a thousand words. An illustration really opens up a truth for me. When I was a kid growing up, there were many things, many benefits I got because of my parents. Now, we weren't wealthy, so I didn't get uh, money stuff, wealth stuff. But I still did get many benefits. And many things that I got to see, experience, learn were because I was their son. I was in that particular family. And people often focus on what they didn't get and what they didn't get to do or see or the hard things. I, I didn't know our life was hard. Some of it was hard. It was. Looking back on it, I realized it was hard. I realized God used it to prepare me for other hard things in life. And I would say this to you that when we get ourselves focused right, so instead of someone being focused saying, well, you know, God is, 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 describes himself as he and, and then man and then, you know, next in rank, authority is woman. Yeah, but, Everywhere on the face of the earth where the Bible is the standard, women are treated the best. And they are looked after the best. Now, don't even blame the Bible for carnal people's living, whether male or female. So you fellas, don't you be blaming the Bible if, if a woman's out of line with the Bible and you try to treat her right. And men, women, don't you blame men. So I'm saying all that to say when you're reading your Bible, let it be what it is. The law of the Lord, the words of God. All right, so in Psalm 1, verse 1, where he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of God, nor 
standeth the way of the sitters, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. There has to be a parting. In your mind, there needs to be a separation, not of your outward stuff, not of do's and don'ts. There's a, a parting of recognition. There's a parting of allowing them to have authority in your life. Now, no, wait, we're not talking about uh, being oppressed because you don't like the speed limit or being oppressed because there's traffic signals or being oppressed because we pay taxes. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is we don't think like the ungodly, the counsel of the ungodly. We don't take their recommendations. I remember a joke a fellow said one time, or really it was an illustration. He said, if you're sitting there in the lawyer's office, be careful. He said, because if they lean across the table and say, here's what, what you can do, it's perfectly legal. He said, you still need to take a step back and ask yourself, are you doing the moral thing before God? In other words, the lawyer's job is to find out what you can get away with, to look for sometimes what they call loopholes. But the believer's job is to find out, responsibility to find out what God said about it. So the counsel on Galilee stands in the way of sinners. You know, we do not stand upon self. We do not stand upon pride. Uh, we do not stand upon what we can accomplish in our own power. We don't do that. And I've preached and taught on this, these verses many times. The big picture for, for today. Starting the new quarter, new month. I've called this the independent life. I know you're going to, I know, I know, you're going to say, what? Yeah, the independent life. Independent of this world within you. Not independent as in you've got to go off the grid and you've got to have all this stuff and everything. And, yeah, it's prudent. It's prudent to prepare for some hard things that are coming. It is. And I've got another message coming up soon on, on that idea of being ready. But the idea of the parting is that the independent life is the life that lives in this world, boots on the ground, interacting with people, but our life is not dependent upon this world or the things of this world. For that to happen, there has to be a parting in our heart and mind. They asked the old-time soul winner, Dr. Wilson, they said to him, they said, what, uh, you know, what, what, what happened to you? Why are you so just focused on God and everything? And he said, the day I laid my little son in the ground, the earth, the world and I parted forever. I never forgot that. The world and I parted forever. And I've thought about it so many times. There, that parting is so important. The second thing about living an independent life is prayer. In his law, verse 2, doth he meditate day and night. Day and night, ready? Uh, pray without ceasing. Right? Uh, it's it, When you meditate in the Bible sense, it is the door to communion with God. Prayer is not just you running through lists, which it's good to have a list. I have a prayer list. I look at it. I call those people's names out before God. And when they have a special thing, I've got it written there that at that particular time in, in, in the day, month, year, whatever, they've got a need. But prayer and scripture go hand in hand because it's communion. See, 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Prayer is both spontaneous and scheduled. I I know this for myself. You can do what you want. Uh, the typical thing is they say, "Would you bless the food?" And I get that you're you're you know. But Paul wrote to Timothy. He said these things are sanctified if they be received with thanksgiving. And I I, I for years you know the old timers would talk about turning thanks. In other words, when you're going to eat something, or the old timers often gave their thanks after they received it and ate it. They would eat, sit down and eat. And then they would pause and they would all give thanks for the food. I think it's great to give thanks ahead of time. You might forget otherwise when you get your belly full. The idea is this. Without ceasing is to meditate day and night. Is It's a prayer. It's not just praying. It's having a prayer life. A life of prayer. We need that. We need to remind ourselves of that. Do you pray first or do you talk first? Do you pray first or do you think first? Do you pray first or do you make decisions first and give advice first? Today's Oswald Chambers devotion is a good one on that. You take prayer promises in Scripture because prayer and Scripture go hand in hand. They're inseparable. And his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law doth he meditate day and night. When you meditate on stuff, you're putting it into your heart and mind. See, promises give prayer a place to stand on. That's really powerful. And that brings me to say, with this verse 2, the peace of mind. You know, you think of there's so much news, there's so much noise, there's so much next crisis on the horizon, they cannot bring the peace of God. And... There's warranties and policies and coverage or sold on the peace of mind. And there's, you know, prepare with food supplies and solar power and all that. I get it. I get that. Trust me. I get it. But those won't bring you peace of mind. Where he writes, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says in the next verse, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's over in Philippians. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. When your delight is in God's word, that will couple with prayer spontaneously, and peace comes. I don't know about you, but I need peace of mind. I don't do well when I don't have peace of mind now. Having a challenge or something to do, you know, having tough, uh, come across yesterday, uh, about a five and a half, six foot snake stretched out across the gravel and laying out there just pretty as day. Wasn't there when I walked by the first time when I come back by working, there he was. It was. Now, thankfully it wasn't a poisonous one. Thankfully it wasn't on the hunt for me. In fact, when I, Helped it get out of the way so it get, wouldn't get run over. It rolled up in a ball tight as a knot and I just had to get it off the road there and move on. Peace of mind. You say, what do you mean? I'm saying that there are all kinds of stuff out there. There's all kinds of stuff you're going to come across. You never know. So if you need peace of mind, you're only going to get peace of mind, real peace of mind from God. 
Peace of mind isn't living with your head in the sand, but peace of mind also is going to be interrupted if there's not a parting of the ways between you and this world and its news and its noise and its next crisis. Being prepared? Absolutely. I understand that. I'm, I'm a big, big proponent of that. Uh, you know, they t nowadays one of the big things is EDC. I'm going to bring this up in another message. Everyday carry. Have being ready. Being ready. <clears throat> it's important to be ready. <clears throat> but the peace of mind that passes all understanding is connected to prayer and the Word of God. Your delight is in the law of Lord. Lord, do you read it because you, 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 well, do you read your Bible because, well, a Christian ought to. Do some of you read your Bible just because you gotta have something to say because you're preachers or teachers or whatever? If you, if that's why you read your Bible, you're off track. You owe it to God and your listeners to unplug and go away until you can get into your Bible because you delight in it. Not delight in something to say. Not delight in having a message. Not delight in an outline. Delighting in the law of the Lord. Amen. All right, now, number four, prioritized living. Now, we're starting the second quarter of the year. Okay, so you look back, you go, okay. Now, we're not talking about critiquing yourself or being hard on yourself, but you ought to review it. Every person I've ever seen or read about or followed who was effective, and I want to be effective with God and for God, they review, they debrief, and then they look ahead. You cannot afford to be bored with the basics. Prioritize living. What does he say? Day and night, verse 2. Day and night. Uh, verse 3, it says, in season. I've written in the margin of my King James Bible, out of season also. He told Timothy, be instant in season, out of season. Prioritized living. Seasons prioritize what you do. They require it. So you think of the farmer. You know what the farmer does in winter? When there's a real winter, he does his maintenance. And he gets things ready. Uh, you know what? I was reading an article the other day, what these fly fishermen do, what, and which is a fascinating thing to me. I love this thing of fly fishing. And you know what you do in, in, when it's cold or whatever. Sometimes there are seasons. You're not even allowed to go do it in certain parts of the country. You know what you do? You equip yourself. You clean up your equipment. You get it ready. Some of them will tie flies. Uh, the old saying was, make hay while the sun shines. Well, when it's not shining, then you've got to be doing some stuff. Prioritize living. Listen, planted, rooted, anchored. Do you have clear written priorities for your living? One of the ways a fellow taught people to do it was you... Make a list of stuff, just for example, task, we'll say. And you go down there and you have, you put an A beside something that's absolutely important. You put a B beside a task that's, you know, might could be done. You put a C behind it that's really actually worthless. And if it's really important, it'll come up again later. But then you go back and all the A's, you prioritize them in A1 and A2 and A3 accordingly. And I'm telling you, this is so powerful for a Christian. I've said for years, you cannot do everything you can think of if you've got any gumption about you whatsoever. Prioritized. Prioritized. This is a good time. It's April 1st. Uh, it's 
Friday, April 1st. So you're coming up on the weekend. You've got a little extra time, most likely. Take some time and, and look at it. Take some time and ask yourself, you know, look at, look at, uh, three things. I, I like at least three things. You can sum them up this way. Your values, your priorities, and your estimations. So what is that? All right. Values or what are the things you live by, by the Bible? You know, love one another, for example. Uh, no friendship with the world, for example. Just your values. And then you look at your priorities on those values. And then estimations is things that you've got coming up, how long it's going to take or how much it's going to cost, etc. And what happens is it gives you a, a view of what is really important. What do I need to let go? And it gives you focus. Focus is like sharpening a knife. Focus is like having a, you know, a point where you need it, whether it be the pencil you're marking with when you're doing your carpenter work or something you do. Prioritized living. Is your living prioritized? This is a good time to do it. Fifthly, quickly, this is just a devotional, really, for the month to begin off this, this month. Fifthly is in verse three. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now watch, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. That's out of season. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The produce and the profit and the praise. As a result. Whatsoever. I love that word, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, it doesn't say whatever you decide to do, you're going to be greater prosper at it. It carries with it the idea that you should choose what you're going to do. <clears throat> in Colossians 3, verse 17 and 23, and in between there, the passage, he says, Whatsoever you do, do hardly. As to the Lord and not to men. Why? Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. I want whatever I do to prosper. Now, that doesn't mean it'll go easily. I had to work some electronics recently. Stuff I hadn't done ever. It involved solar supply, solar electricity supply. It involved, you know, the use of the batteries and 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 it was trying to restore and fix a system someone else had put in and left some parts out that I didn't know existed even. So as I said about the project, I had to learn. And it was some of it was trial and error. Most of it was learning. I had to dig deep and learn and and increase that. And finally, when it was all over, it's working. My point being, I didn't know. Now I did I do I have for years, for three or four decades, claimed the passage where it says uh to him that understandeth. To him that understandeth. Okay? Knowledge is easy, ready? To him that understandeth. So you seek God and he'll help you with knowledge. Now you ain't going to be able to do just anything you feel like. But what is my point? Ready? He'll make what you do prosper. Eventually I got through that project and got it done. And I've had to do some things like that many, well, many, many times in life. So they weren't always easy and they weren't glorious. But whatsoever you do shall prosper. It might be something as simple as, as just Learning some verses of Scripture. Here's what I want to picture, paint a picture for you in closing. The independent life. Ready? 
in seclusion, whatsoever you do can prosper in God. That is the life of God flowing through you. You say, in seclusion, yeah. No social announcements. No social interaction. Just you and God. I challenge you. I challenge you to go 30 days and don't put your life on any social media. Just live for God. I don't know that some of y'all can do it. I don't know if you could do it 30 minutes, some of you, but I doubt many of you could do 30 days. What do you think people did for thousands of years? What do you think Elijah did at the brook Cherith? He just lived in fellowship with God. What do you think the Apostle Paul did? Most, 99% of his life was out of the sight of people. A handful of people here, a handful there. That was it. In seclusion, ready, in humility. It's okay to not be impressed with what you're getting done. Now, we ought to be thankful for it. We ought to uh, eat, eat enough honey to know we did a good job and God helped us. But humility. By the way, if you did it, it was because God allowed you to do it and enabled you to do it. And it's okay if someone gives you some credit for it, but you need to be humble enough and have some humility enough to know you didn't do it. How about in faithfulness? Why are you faithful when you are faithful? Do you have, have you cultivated the mindset and the ability to be faithful because of God, period, full stop, nothing else involved? You don't have to have peer pressure. You don't have to have the fear of loss of something. You don't have to have some kind of agenda, just faithfulness. You want an independent life? <clears throat> independent life isn't living off the grid and growing your own food and all that kind of stuff. The independent life is being able to walk through this life and do all your different duties and be around people and let God use you as a blessing while you're living in seclusion in the sense of you don't need to announce to the world what you're doing. In humility, in faithfulness, ready in mystery. You say, what do you mean mystery? Mystery. It's a mystery to me how we're going to get to heaven and God's just going to somehow, he's, I don't know that he's going to replay our life. I don't know that we're going to want him to. But he's going to look at it and say, look, this got burned up. That stayed, da, da, da. And it's okay that now it's a mystery. I have no idea how it's going to come out. I know some people figure, some people figure, look at people like some of us and they go, well, you ain't going to get nothing for the for your life. Okay, I might not. But if I got nothing back out of it, I still want to have tried to do my best every day to live for God. And you know, there is a type of Christianity that is constantly trying to find fault with others to build themselves up. And they won't acknowledge that's what they're doing, but my dear friend, that's what they're doing. That's not the kind of Christianity I want or that God wants us to have. So let's think about this. The independent life. A parting. Are there some things you need to part with? That's between you and God. Prayer. Is your life a life of prayer? 
Or do you not just pray but have a prayer life? Peace of mind. Are you delighting in the law of the Lord to the point that that's what gives you joy in life? Amidst turmoil and trials and troubles and and successes and failures, what about prioritized living? Sharpen that axe. Sharpen that sword. Get some real focus in your life. And the produce and the profit and the praise, the prospering, okay? The prospering. Whatsoever you do, the prospering will be of God. Learn to live in seclusion, not isolation, but a bit of seclusion. That is, just let go of all this social rubbish and just live for God. And you talk about some peace and some power. You talk about being a blessing to others. You are going to be a blessing to others because God will flow through you. Humility, faithfulness and go ahead and live a life that is a little bit mysterious as in you don't know what's on the other side with God or what's going to be there when you get there I hope you have a great start to your month and to this quarter may God be with you